Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show. I am Jeff Rubin, joined today by Patrick Castles. Welcome back to the show, Pat. Uh, thanks for having me. Great to be here. And before we get into what we're here to talk about, we have to talk about what we just experienced. Sometimes when Pat comes over and, you know, we're just eating lunch or whatever, I have a computer hooked up to my TV and we'll just watch movie trailers. Mm-hmm. We'll just go to trailers.apple.com yeah. and just see what's up there. And there's sometimes you get those weird, like, direct-to-video trailers that you wouldn't usually see in a movie theater Mm -hmm. usually starring Dolph Lundgren right there was one like a thriller with Dolph Lundgren called Safe House and Stash House Stash House Dolph Lundgren is the star of the movie and like now whatever the really interesting one we saw was called uh Ooga Moves what was it called uh the Oogie Loves the Oogie Loves was this weird thing and it says on it uh, from the marketing, it says, I sw- it, this is a quote, it says, from the marketing director of Teletubbies and Thomas the Tank Engine. I believe it was the, from the marketing genius. The marketing genius. Oh my God, I love the, mar- I love the marketing behind Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, it's oddly honest about like what it's setting out to do. So we had to watch that one. It's the Oogie Lubes. Oogie loves. The Oogie loves. <laughs> Why is it so hard to know? They like to Oogie and they love everyone. And Oh, that's a good way to remember it. Yeah. <laughs> and the movie is called The Big Balloon Adventure. And uh, I mean, she like. I mean, I think what the most unique thing about it is the it's the format. It's like an it's like a, it's like Barney. Yeah, it's something I haven't seen in a while, which is people in costumes, you know, like Barney style, not you know, not bad CG. People in huge Barney style costumes just being like, hey, everybody, come on an adventure. And there's like a team, it's like there's three of them, and it's like, slimy loves science. <laughs> yeah. and Google Goggle loves this. <laughs> it was like, Oogie Boogie and me, <laughs> Doobie. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It is definitely. But then. It's so- still, I mean, we, we tend to try to seek out the most insane trailers on these things, and this one. It was the most interesting, though. Yeah. Well, here. Well, I thought what was really interesting about it, the way they're pitching it, it's weird because the trailer pitches simultaneously to two very different audiences. It's telling the kids watching the trailer, this is a movie where you get to dance around. Singing and dancing is encouraged during the film, which I think is actually a pretty cool idea. Pretty innovative, not really traditional at all. That's the marketing genius (laughs) at work. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then at the same time, completely for adults, it's like, and all our favorite celebrities came along. And it's people that kids would have absolutely no way of knowing. Tony Braxton, uh, Carrie Ewells, Clor- it's like Cloris Leachman. It's still the goofy voice. He's like, Cloris Leachman. Uh, Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. And then uh, Carrie Ewells is like, don't forget to wiggle. Yeah, he, I think he's uh, he's good, though. He's kind of got a natural corniness to him. So, like, yeah. remember in Liar Liar, he was just, like, so hokey. And it's like, from, the, from Academy Award-winning director. Yeah. And... So it's just got these two pitches going on at the same time. But maybe that's the marketing genius. I think maybe he's ta- – I assume it's coming out this summer. It's probably just tapping into like the under – like the, I think it's marketed for like extremely young kids. Like brave – kids are going to like brave, but like there's a certain – you know, if, you're, if, you're, if your child is like almost pre-verbal, yeah. I think they could, they could still love the Oogie Loves. Yeah. Well, they could love – they could – we all love the Oogie Loves. I think that's the uh, thing about them. There's a little Oogie Love inside all of us. That's probably what the movie's about. It's still got bad CG mixed into it, you know, um, but... Teletubby is, like, from the... That definitely has a, the Teletubbies vibe comes through a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, prancing through fields and stuff. And it comes out uh, this August. <laughs> yes, it is <laughs> August, not August. And, I don't know, just kind of a weird little thing. Yeah, uh, you know, we definitely don't normally... We don't normally cover the world of. Uh, it was kind of good though because we, we know we the trailers we opened. I mean, we started with the Expendables too, but that was obviously going to be good. Mm-hmm. And the rest, yeah, we're pretty pretty mediocre. <laughs> we there's no we don't mind the tonal shift between Expendables two to the Moogaloops or whatever they're called. They're definitely the two most interesting. No, I was gonna say <laughs> trailers we watched in the last five minutes. I was gonna say the two most interesting movies coming out this summer. <laughs> There's there is that one that looked pretty good, that uh, Matthew McConaughey movie directed by William Friedkin. Yeah, that so, was that... So, like William Friedkin, it's you and Oogaloops. That's who's competing for my uh I'm in for all right of them. Now. I'm in for all they're all all three of those movies are coming out the same day as The Dark Knight. All right, we're warmed up. We got we got our wobbles out, we got our oogies out. Yeah. Now we're ready to move on to the main subject of the episode. Conspiracy theories. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, you should, as soon as you say that should be like a really like a stab of dramatic music. <laughs> Pat and I kind of at some point started this long running years long conversation 
about conspiracy theories that were based in pop culture Mm -hmm. were very interesting to us. Ones that were uh, not just about wars, but somehow involved Hollywood and celebrities. And I don't know. So we so we have this list. Whenever we see one, we like remember it. And we've developed this list over the years. Uh, and yeah, we don't we don't care about like who killed Kennedy. We just want to no. know. We just want to know like what Beyonce is doing behind closed doors. <laughs> so uh, we thought this would be because <laughs> this would be not only the perfect way to present this list, literally the only way to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad we're not putting it in text online. That means we don't go into like a database somewhere. I'm a little nervous because I never thought I would be. You know, I, I, I'm real as you are. I'm uh, very interested in like the culture of conspiracy theory, though I don't consider myself a conspiracy theorist, which is probably important to say up top. Yeah, I'd say it's, we're both interested. You probably a little bit more than me yeah. are both interested in, in conspiracy theories. I'd say I'm pretty skeptical. I believe s- some of them are true. Uh, I'm open-minded, but like I, dr- I draw the line pretty quick. Well, one thing you know, just in all these documentaries and and you know clips and stuff. You, it's always like two angry people screaming on like a on some like midwestern radio show. Yeah, and, that, and I always laughed at those guys. And now I'm here on a radio show. I mean, about to do it. We have our i we have computers in front of us. We have computers in front of us, uh, which we don't usually do because I want to like read from the website because it it's difficult to summarize. We want to get in their exact words. And then we'll talk about <laughs> yes, the, it. Is, uh, it, it, you're, it, it is difficult to summarize because because they're like the scattered thoughts of insane people. Yeah, I look, most of I look them. down and on the computer is just like newspaper clippings laid out, like the apartment in seven. It's like the stereotypical conspiracy theory thing. But these are different kinds of conspiracy theories. I think they run the gamut. Let's talk about them and then we'll figure out right. if we believe in them. And I think yeah, it, you know, I think we'll, we'll it also plays one. to. It's just a weird byway of pop culture that. I feel you often explore on this show in general, so I think it, I think it fits in a weird way. And you're and you're committed to exposing the truth for all mankind. <laughs> all right, let's get started. I think this you don't seem as into this one as I am, uh, but it, I, th- I think it perfectly uh, summarizes what we're talking about with these pop culture conspiracy theories. Uh, there is a theory online. I wouldn't say it's widely believed, though it is pretty thoroughly documented mm-hmm. that Stephen King, horror author Stephen King killed John Lennon. Not Mark David Chapman, Stephen King, who wrote Carrie and, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. Needful Things. That's the second one I came up with, The Shining. (laughs) Uh, All is weird. From a Buick 8. (laughs) So the theory is that Stephen King, not Mark David Chapman, killed John Lennon. I I have to say it a few times. I'm trying to let it sink Uh, in. And uh, there is... Not a lot of hard evidence, I'd say. No, no. I so, mean, I think what it lacks in popularity, it makes up for in the passion of its. I think it's the main guy behind it. Yeah, whose name I should have written down in my research. Uh, let me. I'll pull up the website. Uh, well, let's play this clip. He went to a Sarasota City Council <laughs> meeting and brought it up all the way to Sarasota. He got it. <laughs> let's play that clip. I'll be brief. This is not on our, as you said, not on our agenda today? Right. Okay, thank you. What is your name? This is a photograph of Stephen King. You can lay it in the center, facing yeah. you, where the, right on that marked, face face it, face facing it. you. Face it toward you. That's, okay. Thank you, yes. Where does it show? Just sit down, sir, please. All right. And would you please give your name for the record? Steve Lightfoot. Okay, thank you, Mr. Lightfoot. Honored to be around here. I'm from California. I'm I'm known by 10% of Florida. I'm known by 50% of California. I'm the man exposing the truth about John Lennon's murder. (coughs) Stephen King, Casey Key resident, shot John Lennon. He's not suing me. My van says it all over the place. My website is LennonMurderTruth.com. Stephen King pulled the trigger. I'm not joking, folks. Stephen King is a the worst criminal the state of Florida has ever harbored. This crime sir, is about sir, as... we pretty much limited conversations to issues relating specifically this to the city to of Sarasota. Reputation. Stephen King is scaring away all the celebrity cachet you could have. I'm sorry, but this does not relate directly to the city of Sarasota. Casey Key is, is part of Sarasota, no, right? it is not. not. Not the city. It's part of do Sarasota Do people County. care whether or not you're harboring in Casey Key, the real murderer of John Lennon? We do not deal with anything having to do with Casey Key. It's a, it's a county area, so we appreciate your coming down. i got two more minutes. I'm going to use them up. 
up. Thank you. Sir, I'm sorry. This is not related to city business. This is related to city it business. It is not, sir. And Your I'm reputation sorry. hangs in the balance. I think we need to... Chief Abbott, please. I'm very sorry, sir, but this is not related to city business. LennonMurderTruth.com, citizens. The best part of that is how... Uh, polite the councilmen are they're just like uh sir this isn't city of sarasota business yeah that's yeah like, yeah that's their only issue with what he's saying i think if you're like on a small town council you get your share of crazy people so there's kind of like i don't know you, you just sort of have to they ha- he has the right you know he has the right to go to the sarasota town council and, and, and air his grievances uh, but the, and they just have to sort of disabuse him of it. Let's get into the whys. Why did he? Why yeah, does he that believe he... this? What is what is the theory? First of all, to start off with, Mark David Chapman does kind of look like Stephen King. Yeah. Oh, is that so? Is that does he make that claim? Does he say? It? Well, they just bear a super. They're like kind of like pudgy dudes in glasses, you know. Yeah, but to me, like everyone in like what is it the eight, early eighties or. I'm just saying that's a, start, that's a starting point. Let's just, <laughs> you're like, I'm just asking questions. <laughs> I'm just making observations, okay? You don't. This one, I feel, I almost feel bad describing this as a conspiracy theory. I don't think this has, I, as far as I know, this has no support outside of this guy's website. But he made a website. Let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we definitely get, let's get into the nitty gritty here. The what website the is called LennonMurderDeath.com. And also, just I was like, was this before Stephen King? Maybe this was the something where he became a horror writer after it. He was already a published author at the point where John Lennon was killed. Gotcha, okay. So that Carrie, his first book came out in 74, John Lennon killed in 1980. Okay. Just to give you, just to sort of start establishing the timeline. through the looking glass. All right, so uh, here's what the website says. This is, um, I'm reading from the website now. The evidence specifically, specifically people, that was editorializing, the evidence specifically is government codes, codes, in the bold print headlines of Time, Newsweek, and U.S. News & World Report magazines that were printed shortly before, during, and after the night of December 8th, 1980. Hints in the headlines that you would, wouldn't, won't find anywhere else that plug into John Lennon's assassination with up to 70% frequency at times. That's the quote. 70%. Think about that. I don't know. That's such a mild number. So that's the evidence for this one is all in codes that were in magazines this is like the most intense one to start with (laughs) no is it but no in a good i mean mean, you know it's yeah it's sad that john lennon's death is at like the center of it you know like i I don't know yeah yeah it's a tragic event but it's so obviously i'm like i don't want just to go out real quick just so we're all on the same page obviously it's sad that john lennon was killed yeah of course of course oh so this is the thing is there is a lot about how the government was looking out for john lennon like Mm -hmm. he brings up that a lot which is true as i understand it that they had files on him and like nixon was against john lennon Okay. Gov- don't think the government's not involved in this, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, why Stephen King, though? I guess that's the main question. Why not uh, an assassin or something? Well, the thing is that Stephen King has coded messages about how he did this into his books. Ooh. So, I mean, it's this sounds... I think this guy believes this. I think this guy believes this. Oh, definitely. I think that's what's interesting about all of these, I think. Like, the you know... So, like, in this issue of Newsweek, like that came out the week that John Lennon died or was printed before or something in the I, I in the letters column I'm trying to be exact about it to give the theory it's res- the respect it deserves but now I'm I'm leaving that behind and I'm like or something yeah in the letters column it, one of the letters is from Mark and then a column over there's a David in the middle of it, and then beneath that, there's a Chapman. You know, you're gonna need to do like Da Vinci Code style animations, yeah. like on, on on the advanced podcast. This is one for the like, enhanced people. Yeah, there's yeah. A, lot, a lot of a lot of pictures and newspaper <laughs> clippings here. All right, let me get the uh, let me pull up the Stephen King writings that that really I I feel you're skeptical still. But I feel like the Stephen <laughs> King writings. Here are King confessions uh, from Salem's Lot. Oh God. And the Dead Zone is another one where it's well. Dead Zone is about a, there is a political assassination. In yeah, that's true. That's probably oh my, how it came. Wait a minute, <laughs> the Dead Zone and the Dead Zone came out the same year. All right, uh, a note from the inside jacket: uh, A stranger had also come over to the lot. A stranger with a secret old as evil. All would be changed forever. Father Callahan, the bad priest who put his eroded faith to one last test, and Mark, a young boy who sees his fantasy world become reality and ironically proves the best equipped to handle the relentless nightmare of Salem's Lot. And then here's another quote. 
Mixing his drink, Ben. Why am I reading another one? That, wait, so wait I'm sorry. Was there, you're telling me there was something in that previous passage that is supposed to be evidence? You know, Stephen King just wrote about, like, creepy things happening. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't... So... I, and even those didn't even seem particularly... The, what what is one was about a cemetery where like you know things come back to life or vampire or I don't know. <laughs> so here's what it Vampires says on the website. And this is the last quote I'm going to read from it. I wonder if people are still listening. If you're in, let's, let's dude, do it down the rabbit hole. The story of Mark Chapman is a cover up. Bold print government cryptographic codes that include the killer's face and true identity, the killer's alleged name, and letter to the editor printed before the murder, and in Richard Nixon's book The Real World, and in back issues of Time, Newsweek, and U.S. News and World Report, uh, prove. That Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan arranged for the author Stephen King, then barely famous, to assassinate John Lennon. That King's writings draw dramatically from the crime, and that he taunts us, taunts us, in all his interviews and comments, only makes this a story of a lifetime. My 24-page booklet contains everything you've seen here and much more. Please order your copy. I guarantee the absolute truth about what really happened to John Lennon. Happy code cracking. Wow. That, and you ordered the book, obviously, right? Obvious. So he's selling a book, too. Maybe Do you think that's it? He's just selling the book? Just like Stephen King did. <laughs> People are going to think we're insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one, was, that one was a little heavy to start with, I guess. But no, you know, that's like, I mean, it definitely so, represents, like, it's extremely weird. Yeah, I, 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 I like it because the guy went to the, made that video for us and went to the, uh, you know, you get, a, you get to see that he really believes it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... I really didn't see evidence in the in the pages. I mean, it's weird to be like, oh, you know, I, but I think we're coming. We're, I think the fun is coming at these, like being like, okay, sell me on it. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's true. That's I don't. Th- I, I don't think he read. succeeds at all. I feel really bad about how much of this I read and made people hear, but I wanted to like present it and then be like, okay, now what do you guys think? And obviously, I'm trying to be so respectful. He like, I don't, yeah. but I don't know why. I don't think. I don't think it deserves it. Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, okay, absolutely good, not. Good, good, good. So we agree. This one probably not true. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, we like have like I want like a big. If this is a video series, like you know, like busted, busted conspiracy. Okay, let's move on to anything else. Let's get out of this soon. Okay, Let, you know, so, uh, um, I guess we'll kind of trade off here. Yeah, yeah. Sort of. Um, What's one of your favorites? One of my favorites, I think, just to uh, maybe a, a lighter one. Uh, there is a conspiracy that. Um, if you recall New Coke, which was a big marketing blunder that Coca-Cola did in the 80s, where they changed the formula of their hundreds of years old Coca-Cola recipe, uh, they changed it to New Coke. Ancient. Yes. And it's a very fa- big, famous 80s story. Uh, but there is some believe, some believe that it was deliberately set up to fail. New Coke was deliberately set up to fail to cover up... Coca-Cola switch from regular sugar to high fructose corn syrup. I thought it was fructose. Is it fructose? Fructose is probably right. I don't know. Something's going on here, man. We can't bother. We can't worry about the pronunciation right now. Oh, definitely, definitely. All right. So, side note, Pat is very into the history of Coca-Cola. Is that that fair to say? It is. Was that because of this? It was. When we learned this, you have a book... You bought, and you were, like, you're like, I'm going to buy, a, right I'm going to read this book about Coca-Cola, learn what was going on there. I'm like, all right, sounds good. Oh, I think the book was the citation for it on Wikipedia. Right, exactly. I think you were the one who ordered this originally, and then you didn't want to read it, and I was like, I'll read it. Yeah, that sounds likely. And yeah, it kind of, like, led to, there's not, there's only so much, it's called The Real Coke, The Real Story by Thomas Oliver, and it's a brief history of Coca-Cola, but it's mostly focused on the mark, the blunder of New Coke, you know, and why it happened and stuff. And he doesn't subscribe to the theory. He he presents it as an alternative theory, but he 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 believes the mainstream hype that it was just a, a marketing mistake. Um, but but yes, it did lead to this. Uh, I you know I just kind of interested in like this. It, it, there's so the cool thing about Coca Cola is that that I learned from this book and and other books that I've subsequently read about it is just like is just so much psychology and like philosophy behind it like because it's like the whole reason they couldn't the whole reason the recipe didn't work out was because like just americans could not handle the recipe being changed right like in in taste tests before new coke came out people preferred it and you know when they scientifically did blind taste tests Mm -hmm. people preferred the taste but just because coke was such americana they rejected it when it was released isn't that correct right yes pepsi well they did the pepsi challenge in the 80s 
which was that's what they called the scientific test. Yeah, it's a marketing <laughs> campaign like Pepsi did, uh, and. When you actually look at this, you know, and the, the, it was a very famous, and you've seen, it, it's been done a thousand times. It's very famous, like, try these two on camera. And like, which one do you like more? I like this one. Oh, it's Pepsi. And actually, statistically, it really did not give Pep- Pepsi was barely in the lead, um, but it worked. And then Coke overreacted, and they're like, we got to change our formula, because they, they wanted to be, like, young and hip like Pepsi was. But that's not Coke, you know? I mean, that Pepsi can ch- change their can design every, like, five years, mm-hmm. and everyone loves it. There's Coke can never do There's that incredible document online that's, like, a 30-page PDF about all the – it's maybe even longer – all the research that went into the new Pepsi logo, and it's got all the angles. Oh, uh, it's really the, cool. All this uh, – it's all this marketing speak, and just about the logo. It's all just about the logo and how it's got the um, – What's the thing? Bring you, bring you back to Da Vinci Code. Yeah. That spiral that's like a pleasant ratio of some kind. It's is uh, yeah, from yeah, every yeah. angle. Yeah, yeah, like some sort of Da Vinci illustration. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Anyway. Um. But just to get back, I guess to get back to the to the conspiracy at hand. We, we we had the opportunity before we get back there. We had the opportunity to go. Whenever when else can we talk about this? We were in Atlanta and we went to the Coke Museum or the mm-hmm. Coke. It's definitely not called the word museum. Definitely, which I always mispronounce. That oversells it. it that, I believe it's actually called the world of Coca Cola yeah, now. So they're, we, they're they're aware that there's nothing educational there. And it's all when you get there, it's let's let's watch a movie about how Coke is made, and then you're inside the machine, and there's bu- like CG bugs flying around, and like yeah, yeah, it's like a magical roller coaster. The secret ingredient is love. Right, right. There's a thing about what's the secret ingredient in Coke, and there's like uh, I think a, you are the secret ingredient. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. The whole movie he's looking for, and he's like this hoverboarding scientist, and he's. <laughs> you know what was weird about that movie? It's a one of those like 4D movies that they do with those attractions where like the seats wobble and it sprays mist at you at some point. And there's one part where he flies through the <laughs> he flies through the Amazon and he gets bit by a mosquito and this little peg comes out of the back of your chair and just pokes you real hard <laughs> <laughs> and it just kind of hurt you're like ow it sucked <laughs> and then it's like the secret ingredient of Coke is you and then we got up and looked and the chair you know it's very obvious if you look after the movie the chairs just have this metal circle in them with a peg that comes out and pokes you yeah it's like. 15% more painful than it should be. <laughs> really sadistic, you know? Just not, not, the rest of it's just spraying at mist and shaking your seat. Anyway, the thing to bring back to New Coke, the thing about that museum is it's so Coke positive. Mm-hmm. It's all about how Coke make, and it goes back to what you're saying about the psychology of it. It's all about how Coke makes people happy. It's not at all about what's inside Coke. It's about how happy Coke makes people mm-hmm. and how it's a part America, part of America. Totally, all that yeah. Norman Rockwell stuff. And uh, the one thing is there is a, a little, case somewhere about new coke and it's the only place they acknowledge that coke ever did anything less than perfectly it's like mm. we made a mistake we underestimated how much you america loves coke yeah they, they totally spun it um and it, i mean just it does speak to like how it's interesting how big of a deal the new coke thing was yeah which just you know to, to bring it back here <laughs> all right uh people started like they were so di- there was so much disbelief over the new this new coke fiasco and that new coca-cola they, it was so hard for people to believe that Coca-Cola could change its recipe that some, on the very extreme end, came up with this sort of uh, theory that, you know, it was done for the to mask their change from sugar to high fructose corn syrup. Didn't at some point the Coke CEO acknowledge the theory and say something like, we couldn't possibly be that smart? Which is true, by the way. They couldn't possibly be that smart. Uh, yeah, yeah. And also, I think this is like... Oh, Apparently, they've been using high fructose corn syrup before. Yeah, this is the thing about this one. It seems that should be a matter of record somewhere if they came back with the new Coke and it had the recipe changed. Oh, and there's another one. That's, there's another conspiracy. Uh, Coke is a lot of urban legends because it's one of those brands. Sure. When you watch a movie uh, from the 50s or the 40s, when you watch an old black and white movie, it can seem like a different world. But I always love when you see a Coke billboard, it looks exactly the same as it does now. It's the only element, time, houses, fashion, cars, everything's different. But Coke billboards, same exact thing they are today. Yeah, ex- exactly. And I think that I think the, the new Coke thing was the when they realized, okay, we can't we can't do this. We can't we're not hip, we're not cool. You know, their their marketing is just not they're not like the like Michael okay, there's a great for example, like they just they can't really compete with Pepsi in that. Like 
Pepsi, there's a funny, I can't remember who it was, but like Pepsi had this awesome commercial with Michael Jackson, right. which you made a posted video of with the pop was commercials. Maybe it's another episode of this uh, commercial pop songs. Yeah, it's Michael oh, Jackson. Like, We're the, the Pepsi generation. Yeah, he does it. To, he sings about Pepsi to the tune of Billie Jean. Yeah, and it's pretty great. Yeah, I mean, it's still Michael Jackson, um, and it is prime too. But like, so Coach, they tried to compete with that, and they were like, they're all so square that they got like. Just some like weird, like you know, like grooving Bobby B, who's just some '80s guy who no one's ever heard of again. But they were like, you know, at the time he might have been like he was like he was like Crazy Town or something. He was like momentarily attractive, uh, popular, but like it just shows you like they were compl- you know, Pep they were tone deaf in a way that Pepsi was not. Like you know, mm-hmm. um, so now you know their stuff's pretty much either it's either like their commercials are all like you know part of America. Or the slightly edgier thing is like, you know, there's a magical world inside our machines. <laughs> yeah. But, no. um, but however... Um, Matt just got a real serious look and started flipping through the book again. I am. You should take a picture of this and put it on your I, thing. I will do that. It's we'll also do. just to show how it's under it's underlined. We've like underlined and folded it like the freaking Rosetta Stone. <laughs> but there's another theory that's kind of tied to the other one. It just goes back to people trying to... Refusing to believe that Coke could possibly make this marketing blunder. Um... May I read this? May I yeah, yeah. read this code? Okay. Mm. It's got to be more tolerable than the Mark David Chapman stuff. But how could the company that owns the world's most famous trademark have been so wrong about its significance? Can I do this? Can you like put spooky music behind this? <laughs> sure, sure. But how could the company that owns the world's most famous trademark have been so wrong about its significance? How is a $7 billion corporation, which produces not just Coke, but Diet Coke, Tab, Sprite, Minute Maid orange juice, and movie hits like Ghostbusters, there was a marketing connection between them, uh, brought to its knees by consumers? Could Coca-Cola's management team, with its sterling track record, really have been so blind that that it didn't foresee the fiasco? Or was the whole event a huge publicity stunt? A carefully calculated plot, plot to launch a new cola and boost the sales of the old one. So in, as, in essence, this in essence, as you said, the whole new Coke thing was just allowed them to say the conclusion of it was spun to be like people just love original Coke so much and like we'll never change the recipe again. I'm just asking questions. <laughs> just asking questions. <laughs> it just seems like they could have just made the change and no one would have noticed. Yeah. And I believe when the CEO says that they couldn't be that smart, that's some Game of Thrones level scheming to be like, oh, it'll fail, and then we'll come back. It's just you can't see that many steps ahead. But maybe I'm just when I said I believe when the CEO said, I started. I immediately didn't believe the next thing that came out of my mouth. Um, yeah, I mean, I I guess the they lost a lot of money on it, so I I think ultimately. I don't believe this one. Yeah. Either if we're, if we're trying to confirm. I don't think, I don't know if I'm going to believe any of these. No, I'm almost definitely not. This one I, is I guess the we're most... more like, we're, yeah, it's more like we're just grading them. We're grading their research <laughs> and the completeness of them. This one is the most believable end game. Like, I, mm-hmm. I do believe that Coca-Cola would do something sinister to get cheaper, more fattening ingredients into their soda. Yeah, and it's the least, uh, I think of all the ones we have, I mean, it's not about <laughs> the murder of a rock legend or anything, right, right. or like staging a, a historic event. So. All right, and with that, let's move on to our next theory. Wing Dings is anti-Semitic. <laughs> <laughs> I, get, I get all the fun ones. Uh, so this theory is the popular font, the, the popular font to Wing Dings. I like how we're including uh, fonts in pop culture. Yeah, it's a bit of a reach. Um, so here's the deal. In Webdings, which is like a spinoff of Wingdings, mm-hmm. I guess it's I, I guess it's supposed to be more practical for the web. They were like, oh, now that the internet exists, let's think about what would be better logo. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's actually. Well, you should briefly describe what Wingdings and Webdings are. Everyone knows. Right? Oh, really? I don't know. I don't know. Wing di- so there's different fonts that come with your computer, and one of them is Wingdings. And instead of letters, there are pictures. And at some point, they added. So it's not letters, and I guess it's a way, maybe before multimedia in the Dark Ages, to get pictures into documents. I don't know what the hell the point of it was. But just fun little, little images like a star or a, or well, a heart the weird instead thing, of a J or an M. Right, but the weird thing is webdings, because I guess I'd always assumed that they were like, it's a wingdings for the web generation. But if the web exists, they know that you can put pictures on it. Like That's, that's even from early iterations of it yeah. that was possible. So I don't know why they'd think... Webdings was necessary, but anyway, 
Webdings is like Y&D Wingdings. Jeff. <laughs> now, you're, now you're asking the right questions. <laughs> so, Webdings is like Wingdings. And there's also Wingdings 2 and Wingdings 3. I've been to the Wingdings Wikipedia page because it mentions this, but I actually, like, I can't even remember why it exists. It's so boring. All right. So, <laughs> in Webdings, not Wingdings, in Webdings, if you type NYC, you get an I, a heart, and a little picture of a city. So, if you type NYC, it's like I heart the city. Yeah. It's a little message. However, in Wingdings, if you type NYC, you get a skull and crossbones, uh-huh. a Jewish star, and a thumbs up. So it's a skull. It's like killing the Jews is good. I guess is how you'd interpret that. And uh, some people think that that is well. The, you know what the thing about this one if is? You type in NYC or type in yeah. If you type yeah. in NYC. So the thing about this one is it got at least a little bit of coverage from the mainstream media who usually ignores these things. There was actually a story in the New York Post, a very reliable paper. Uh Uh, And the only reason I'm bringing it up is because I wanted to read from this story because it also really dates it. It's like from that early era of computers when not everyone has a computer. Yeah. The headline, this was really in the newspaper, but the newspaper was the New York Post. Anti-Jewish code lurks in popular software. Oh, yeah, that's pretty incendiary. Also, also pop, the popular software they're referring to is Windows. That, <laughs> calling, this is still the point where they're calling Windows popular software. <laughs> One of the world's biggest selling computer programs contains a secret anti-Semitic message appeared urging death to Jews in New York City. Oh, my God. A computer consultant discovered the diabolic message while installing Microsoft's new Windows 3.1 software for a client yesterday. You know, it's just fun to imagine, like... Just like the, that, the compound where like Windows was developed in like Palo Alto, there's just all these like geeks and just one beefy like neo Nazi. Like, hey, Bruiser, can you, uh, can you, how's Wingdings coming? Like, it's coming good. It's co- I'm getting the truth out there. <laughs> Wait till people type NYC. <laughs> the consultant was testing a mailing address use of the program when he noticed the letters NYC had been replaced by a hateful message. It's going crossbones, a star in David, and approving thumbs up symbol. Microsoft strongly denies any hidden message. Others disagree. There's no way it could be a random coincidence, said Brian Young, a friend of the consultant who did not wish to be named. Said Brian Young, oh, fine. It's pretty scary. I was shocked by the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Young calculated the odds of the three letters of the alphabet being combined with 255 symbols and said he found the odds of obtaining the message were less than one in a trillion. I'm sure Hitler's like... From the afterlife, Hitler's just like, come on, guys, this is, you know, like. <laughs> this isn't what it was about. To, yeah, exactly. This, it was more, Really, it was, just get more proactive. Let's go on to the next one. What is yeah. that? <laughs> like, and again, Area 51 brought up in Ooga Loops. <laughs> Pro- proof that Ooga Loops. I feel bad because you really do have, have really dark ones. Well, that one was kind, I thought kind it was of kind of fun because it was. A, I'm sorry if it's too real for you. No, no. I yeah, mean, we, we can just stop recording now, Pat. I know. I, I, we, we should go on. We should go on. I'm not afraid of the truth. Uh, I want okay. to believe. Well, this is a kind of. This is sort of a. Um, conspiracy about the moon landing, which is a. There's a very famous conspiracy theory uh you know in the relative to conspiracy theories uh-huh. that the moon landing was faked we never landed on the moon it was an elaborate production um you know that's a given <laughs> no. in in this theory no. it is though let me let me present it more like a fox special you know okay so um you know uh several decades ago nasa uh sent neil armstrong and buzz aldrin to the moon and they man walked on the moon, or so they claim. <laughs> uh, what if it was staged? What if all that footage from the moon was just shot on film? And what if that film was directed by Stanley Kubrick? So this theory is that the moon landing was faked mm-hmm. by Stanley Kubrick. Yes. The government enlisted him. The government, after he had made 2001 A Space Odyssey, which does contain, you know, groundbreaking special effects. Right, ground- right. It's particularly space uh, If you were going to get someone. If you were going to get someone to shoot a moon landing, you would approach Stanley Kubrick. I think this is another case like the Coke one where there's someone or some people who are just so insanely talented that people believe uh, it, they have to, something has to be going on there. Like, I think this guy just thinks that Stanley Kubrick's so good that he's the only person that could have faked this. Yeah. Uh, why don't I... I could read a little bit from the... Um, 
I, 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 this is from um, I think this Project person, Galactic Guide. I think this person is probably just such a already believes the moon landing was fake and is such a big Kubrick fan. And 2001 really was revolutionary. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, no one else could have done this. It had to have been Kubrick. And then he just starts working back. So you're saying if he was a Woody Allen fan, it would have been Woody Allen staged the moon landing. I think of that movie, uh, when a lot of people see it now, don't appreciate this, how big the special effects were at the time. Yeah. Like, what was coming out at the same time that movie was. Those special effects really hold up today. In a way, movies from the 90s don't. So, um, in 1968, according to this website, and most of these things we should point out come from, like, very obscure, you know, websites in the back corners of the internet that no one should ever go to. Um, but, okay, in early 1968, Mr. Kubrick was secretly approached by NASA officials who presented him with a lucrative offer to, quote-unquote, direct the first three moon landings. Initially, Kubrick declined as 2001 A Space Odyssey was in post-production at the time. But NASA sweetened the deal by offering to allow Mr. Kubrick exclusive access to the alien artifacts and autopsy footage from the Roswell crash site. NASA further leveraged their position <laughs> by, for, uh, by threatening to publicly reveal the heavy involvement of Mr. Kubrick's younger brother, Raul, with the American Communist Party. This would have been an intolerable embarrassment to Mr. Kubrick, especially since the release of Dr. Strangelove. Um, and he finally relented. What I, like, I, what I, like I love your, about that I, I, is yeah, that you Kubrick... They're implying that, like, Kubrick, they offered Kubrick, like, alien proof of alien existence. And Kubrick was like, no, nah, I'm too busy. I'm, like, preparing my next film. <laughs> then, they, then they threatened his brother. Well, I like that he rejected him. He's like, I won't do that. I'm editing this movie. And I'm just imagining the scene. And then they say, what if we could show you aliens? And then he, he he's walking out of the room, and then he turns around. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Scratches his chin. That's a great movie scene. Uh, that's a great... And then the next the, scene... The, but the reason but, I don't believe this is because if, if Kubrick did fake the moon landing, he wouldn't have had nearly as much trouble as he did making movies for the rest of his life. Like he just would have been set yeah. by the government? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um... Though, though, at, although, gonna, although, how's he gonna have to fight to get eyes wide shut made when he faked the moon landing? Jeff, great question, and I think I have a response. Um, so, several months. Um, okay, well, sorry. Mr. Kubrick refused to direct the Apollo 13 mission, however, because NASA officials rejected his screenplay in which the Apollo 13 mission fails. Oh. Kubrick insisted that a dramatic failed mission from which the astronauts were safe, safely returned to Earth would ultimately prove NASA's quote-unquote finest hour. NASA maintained that a failed mission would unnecessarily jeopardize the agency's image, so Kubrick quit the project. Ironically, NASA later decided to use the failed mission for uh, scenario for which Randall Cunningham, a little-known but highly respected... Director uh, refused to di- uh, refused to direct. Re- uh, was recruited to direct. Um, so it's a little, that's kind of a weird one because he offered. They basically stole Kubrick's idea. I guess is what he's saying there. However, it does they did part ways. So maybe that's why. Maybe maybe Uncle Sam uh, made it hard for him to make Eyes Wide Shut. What is if there is any? What is the evidence for this? Um, well, um, there was. If you look, apparently a lot of these special, uh, visually speaking, uh, there are similarities between the stuff in 2001 and and the moon landing. Um, but that's just good writing, good, good, you know, that's just good imagining. Kubrick just did a very good job imagining 2001. However, or maybe, you know, <laughs> it's just he, 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 it's the same guy directing the two things. Don't get me wrong. I believe this is true. I'm just out of curiosity. What's the evidence? Um... All right, I'll read this. Okay. Um. Kubrick's relentless perfectionism is evident throughout the Apollo production. I feel like I'm gonna like I'm a little scared reading this directly because like I feel like I'm gonna, like <laughs> we're just like poking the hornet's nest of the guy that wrote this. You know, like, <laughs> like we're not. I guess we should. I did cite the we cited the website, right? You we're know, covered go here. there. Judge for yourself. Yeah. Don't kill us. Um. But okay. So one is that uh certain there's a twelve oh one alarm. Uh, which is a, a, a sound effect that you hear during the actual moon landing is very similar to a sound effect that you hear in 2001 A Space Odyssey, which so, you know. And most of the evidence is along that, you know. Little touches in the moon landing look like touches from 2001 A Space Odyssey. So judge for yourself, people. Next up is a Andrew W.K. conspiracy theory. This one is a little bit Tumblr popular, I'd say. People are aware of this, though I don't know anyone believes it. This is kind of like Paul is dead, but with Andrew W.K., mm-hmm. 
Andrew W.K. was apparently, at some point, replaced by an actor. This website is really hard to read, and it was never finished. It references something that's going to happen in 2008, and then at the end it's like, Chapter 4, coming soon. And he never really brings together his thoughts. I mean, he has a lot of pictures of early Andrew W.K. and later Andrew W.K., and they do look kind of like different people. Look like they could be different people, you know. Like how far apart are they? Is it like, but is it like, is it like thirteen-year-old Andrew WK and like twenty-nine-year-old Andrew uh, WK? It's like twenty and thirty, I guess. Eh, I don't know. People change a lot. Yeah, and it's weird. I mean, what I love about this one is a lot of it is just about. I mean, a lot of it's just general, generally about rock and roll and like how they've created an icon to talk to people. Yeah. And like he's like a marketing. I mean, it's, he's basically upset that they've corporations have created a are using music oh god let's get into it all right (laughs) let me just read some direct quotes one is the basics good let's get to just at a base level what's going on here well according to the website the basics about the andrew wk conspiracy have to do with corporations mainstream media and mind control Mind control. We've finally gotten there. But it's mind control in the sense that Andrew W.K. is speaking a message and his mm-hmm. fans are listening to it. There's no mind control raise, as far as I can tell. What, the message is like party all the time? All right. The person who you now know as Andrew W.K., that's in quotes, is not the same person as Andrew W.K. that is not in quotes. I hope this should be obvious by now. This, that's the thing about this one is it's like really overwritten. It spends so much time being like, and by the end of this, I will have proven, yeah. and you will not believe. And there's very little actual meat. It's all sizzle. There's no steak. Yeah, that's well put. And I think that's, I, I think that's probably an issue with all of these things. All right. right. Like, again, we, like, we came at all these like, I don't know. We're, I think we're just, we're, we just desire to know any, make your argument, you know? Like, I'm probably not going to believe it, but like, it's that, that tone of like, I don't even, it's, it's obvious, don't even, I don't even need to explain it. Go on, though. To sorry. say he is an actor is true and false at the same time. True in the sense that what you perceive as Andrew W.K. is not the really real Andrew W.K. And false because something that is not really real should not exist. And you have just read the words not really real. So it's a little tongue-in-cheek, I guess. Though also, grammatically, like, I'm, I'm correcting a little as I go. The Andrew W.K. equals actor also reflects onto the hair confusions. If Andrew W.K. has hair, why would he wear a wig? The answer to this is thought form. The answer to this thought form is another multiple of true slash false. The point I am making here, (laughs) I know I'm getting off track with this whole, uh, the answer to this thought is another multiple (laughs) of true or false, but the point I'm making here is that the truth is being shown right in front of your eyes if you choose to see it. Yet the truth is only a tiny twinkle in the sky. Oh, my God. You know what that reminds me of, kind of? Um, that movie, Josie and the Pussycats, the movie yeah. version of Which it. Which is, I like that movie a lot. I think it's a, it's a great movie. Right, it's very, it's sort of surprisingly subversive and very intelligent. Very much so, yeah. It's really good. Uh, particularly, I mean, you know, this in like an actual, trying to make an actual argument, not great. But in the context of this movie, it's very funny and it's very tongue-in-cheek. Anyway, the movie kind of uh, presents, uh, is all about... Um, all boy bands are putting subliminal message out there and they're created, they, they are controlled by these puppet masters yeah. to like push some kind of agenda. I think it's like, it's to sell products in, in, um, but then at the yeah. end of the movie, Josie and the Pussycats movie spoiler coming up yeah. <laughs> is, uh, that the, the messages are about what's cool and it's all about contr- corporations have to control what's cool and what's not. Right. Parker Posey, uh, who's great was not was is the villain and she was not cool in high school or something and she like wants to control what's cool yeah definitely I mean, yeah it, yeah it's, it, it's but, a good movie it's well and there's written. a lot of like uh it, there's advertising everywhere like every scene is covered in logos which they were not paid for none it, of those it's, it's like tongue in cheek yeah yeah um so so I'm, I'm like you should even put there's that I'm like the, this is crazy but Josie and the Pussycats nah. that's a movie that's speaking the truth open well, up your eyes people well there's definitely I guess you know I if we have to sort of and the reason I think Josie and the Pussycats, that, the message of that movie resonates um, and probably is the reason this resonates to a very different group of people. But, you know, like musicians are – there are probably a lot of musicians who are being influenced by the record companies, by totally. marketing things. So it feeds into that. I mean I do not think Andrew W.K. is a doppelganger at all, but I do think that musicians – 
at a high level are being manipulated by omnipotent puppet masters. Is that so crazy? I don't know. The pre-Steve, Steve Mike is the guy who replaced Andrew W.K. Who is he? Uh, he was like a producer or something, and he, I, this is really hard to read. I'm sorry, mm. I don't know the specific details. You can go to whoisandrewwk.webs.com. Yeah. Also, at the bottom of the website, it's like, this website created for free at webs.com. And I'm like, oh, that explains a lot. I think we're probably coming, because we're, we're kind of checking our computers so much. It seems like we haven't done our research. We have. I think it's just these websites. It's like, are, what do you want me to do? Summarize that last paragraph for you? You have to hear it from his, you have to hear it. Exactly. You know, in general, a lot of these websites are almost borderline impenetrable because they're kind of written in this sort of, you know, almost like Dianetics. I've heard Dianetics is like impossible to read because it's just the sort of, to them it makes, to L. Ron Hubbard it makes sense, you know? But anyway. I'm not, to- so th- that's the thing about this one is it's really well written and it's gotten some coverage and I've heard people mention this in my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard this theory brought up. So it had some penetration, which is a form of success for this, you know, that it propagated that way. Well, what's interesting that you said is that it, uh, specifically on Tumblr or on like more recent form, the fact that it was big on Tumblr well, uh, I don't know if it was or, actually big on Tumblr, but I've seen it mentioned yeah. And there. Andrew WK is big on Tumblr. It's weird that it's Andrew WK, because I think the people that normally are into conspiracy theories, like, they wouldn't know about Andrew WK, you know? Like, they, they, like it, they, they're more into Stephen King. Well, that's what I like about this one, is it's another case where someone's just so good at something, and Andrew WK, in his music, just connects so hard with his fans that there must be something more sinister going on here. I don't think so. I think he's just a dude that loves to party. Yeah, that, he's so, his message is so simple, too. What is, but why does he tell us to love to party? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I feel like he's not like he's not like Radiohead, you know, where he's like got like cryptic. Ma- I mean, not, I, he's great. You know, I'm not like trying to say he's not an artist, but there's also like not he's he's not writing like these incredibly cryptic songs, you <laughs> yeah. know, like with a hidden. It's, it seems like more perhaps more so than most other musicians. He's sort of he has a very singular, clear message, and then with no ambiguity. I think the connection to Lady Gaga is she's someone else that has that kind of really deep connection with their fans. And most musicians have some sort of connection, but I think those are two examples of artists whose fans are very much listening to what they have to say, and it's uh, almost a philosophy and a, or a, yeah. a life outlook. Well, Lady Gaga seems more uh, believable as some sort of puppet or something, or be, you know, sp- because her stuff is so weird. And, you know? Yeah, there's a page over here on... The old Andrew W.K. Lady Gaga and Illuminati home that uh, points out they have a lot of Illuminati imagery. Like mm-hmm. they, There's this picture of Andrew W.K. and the lights kind of look like a pentagram. But uh, it's more be- it's easier to imagine seeing it in Lady Gaga just because there's so much symbology in yep. everything she's doing. This transitions into our final uh, conspiracy theory. Yeah. Why don't you take it from here? Yes. Uh, well, this like the moon landing one, I think this is just sort of a pop culture specific pop culture corner of a larger conspiracy theory but there are those who believe that lady gaga and beyonce and jay-z and countless other musicians and celebrities are lizard people uh secret lizard people who are sort of manipulating world events and preparing for this new world order i mean the whole new world order thing is this incredibly vast dark hornet's nest i don't even want to swat um I guess if uh, for you, the record, I do not believe that anyone, there are, lizard people are real. But I guess if you be, do believe that, it makes sense that they'd, uh, you know, while governing our planet, would think we need to s- control the message a little and would make one of their own uh, a really popular celebrity. So, what is the evidence that these celebrities are the lizard people? Well, like you had said, there's a lot, or of they're th- Illuminati or whatever. Just that they're not what they seem. They don't have to be lizard people. Lizard people is probably the most extreme end. Yeah, there, there's a lot of um, probably sim- <laughs> the symbology is definitely a, a big one. Uh, you know, there's like um, Sasha Fierce, for example, which is Beyonce's alter ego that she did. I think maybe for her last album or at some point. Her Chris Gaines. Yeah, um, there there's a lot of imagery in that with like devil horns and in her um, that people have sort of taken to to mean to be a satanic um, imagery. And you know, now I don't want to confuse Satanists with. Um, with Illuminati or lizard people, because I'm sure the li- they'd be aff- I'm sure lizard people would be offended to be associated with Satanists, but um, it's a lot of the stuff like that. Um, and I-, I kind of group this Satanism, Illuminati, lizard people thing as kind of one thing. The, the main thing is that it's a sort of hot, powerful people meeting in a room to control the world. Is essentially I, the 
the rock, uh, the rock symbol, mm-hmm. the, the hand, the rock diamond. The rock how uncool am I that I don't know exactly how the to... rock diamond <laughs> is? You know, the the it's the, a pentagram. Is it pe- according to the theorists? How is it a pentagram? Um, I don't know. I think it's like this well, is this a, is really one for the enhanced edition people. Yeah. This is, this, well, this, a diamond, a diamond is five sided. You know. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> you do the math. I don't know. I guess I don't know. Again, I just don't know. Well, you know, I could read. So LA Weekly, um, a few years ago, did actually a sort of. They kind of broke down one of these incomprehensible like websites created by created by someone with not really all there, um, and they kind of. I'm going to read from this LA Weekly uh, blog because they they were able to like summarize it in you know in this way that we're trying to do. Um, so here's some of the, the evidence that they pulled out. Um, by incorporating trigger images in developing projects which, pr- which promote their own form of amorality, the Illuminati can influence entire populations and promote their reptilian values of systematic abuse, pathological self-centeredness, and ruthless competitions. This makes celebrities very useful to them. Oh, that which makes sense. Yeah. But the thing I'm interested in is why these celebrities, or why, how do we know it's these celebrities? What makes it clear? Because I think, again, this is coming at it from a point of view where if I believe thing one, the moon landing was faked, then I have to start rationalizing it. How could it possibly be faked? It must be uh, Stanley Kubrick, this other thing I know about. Same thing here. If I think that the lizard people are real and that they want to infiltrate society, I believe that they'd use celebrities. So which celebrities could it be? And then you start looking. And then, of course, I mean, obviously, Lady Gaga is going to be one of your first guesses, one of your first guesses. Yeah, it's sort of... Um, Obviously. It's kind of all the evidence, at least for these celebrities ones, is very much based on symbolism, which is probably a weak, probably a big weak point of it. I would love, like, yeah, I definitely want, like, some sort of weird grainy photograph of, like, <laughs> Jay-Z pulling a zipper off the back of his head, but I don't think we're going to get that because it's probably not true. <laughs> yeah, I need, hard, I need hard evidence. Um, no, it's really... I mean, it's like... Uh, for okay, here here is um the mo- the name of the website is I'm, <laughs> I'm like a little scared to say the name of the website. I, I've been watching too much X Files. I think <laughs> it's called the Fortean Times. Okay, uh, and this is but this, I'm reading from this LA Weekly blog that sort of they've listed the top ten occult symbols in music videos. Should I read them? Okay, yeah. Uh, one butterfly tattoos, clothes, belts, hats, and other fashion accessories. Quote proof of mind control because they refer to the MK Ultra Project Monarch operation. That was the mind control experiment the CIA did. That was season three of the Venture Brothers. Yeah, and Monarchs, Butterflies. You do the math, man. Do I got to freaking draw a line for you, Jeff? So anytime I see a butterfly tattoo, that's not trashy. That's mind control. Exactly. Okay. Two, black and white checkerboards or lines symbolize duality and good evil. Hmm. That one's pretty weak because that's just like... A motif. It's good, good and evil. Yeah, it's like... Every movie ever made, yeah. every piece of pop culture ever. Mirrors and shattered glass represent the way the mind is shattered and mirrored during mental torture. Kind of the same thing, though. Like, there's no ambiguity with, with that shit. When, like, Britney Spears smashes a mirror in the bathroom, it's, it is supposed to represent her being shattered, but it's because of Justin Timberlake. All of these have the feeling of working backwards. Yeah. They all have they all feel like something someone wanted to prove and then started looking for evidence. None of them seem... Like anyone picked up on anything and then followed it through to the end. Here's a funny, uh, a funny list of of uh, the top ten list of mind controlled music celebrities. Uh, number one, top ten. Here Ooh. we go. Count La- them down. <laughs> Lady Gaga, Michael Jackson, Simon Cowell, Rihanna, Miley Cyrus, Britney Spears, uh, Beyonce, and Jay Z. They're grouped as one. Uh, oh no, that's that's eight and seven. Uh, Stephen. Gately, deceased member of UK boy band Boyzone. <laughs> I'm sorry I left because he was deceased, but Boyzone. And Robbie Williams. So. so pretty much the 10 most popular musicians is what they're yeah, getting at. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Oh, that, you know, I'm actually just reading this cool music blog. It's the 10 best musicians it's, in the world. Well, that's it really, it really is just the most popular people and Andrew WK. Oh, right. Yeah, Andrew WK did not... Who, but who was he was very like, popular in his well, own way. He didn't make the top ten, but of, uh, according to he didn't make forty in times top ten. <laughs> I wonder if he was mad about that. He called him up. Uh, I don't know. What do you think about this one? This theory? Yeah. Um, it's just it's 
it's unlike it's kind of unlike the other ones because just part of such a bigger theory uh, it's pretty weak yeah it does seem like a leg of the other theory that they've also invaded hollywood yeah i mean they're all pretty all these are pretty weak you know yeah and maybe we just wasted the past hour no no i mean someone had to debunk these <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of others like we stumbled on this website uh, above top secret which i want to call out because uh, it's really nice, actually. Like most of these websites look, most of these websites look like GeoCity pages, but mm-hmm. Above Top Secret's got a pretty sharp design, and it was fu- and it's got one of those search bars that's predictive. So I start, we typed in Hollywood just to see yeah, what I yeah. come up with, and it started like Hollow Earth theory. You know, it, it knows yeah, what yeah. it knows what you're looking for. That had the one that Arthur, the cartoon, is actually an anti-conspiracist agenda, has an anti-conspiracist agenda. Yeah, the the I mean, these are just forum posts, but they're fun to go through. And one of them was that the cartoon Arthur. There's someone on the show. I don't know if it's Arthur who always believes a conspiracy and he's always wrong, mm-hmm. and they're indoctrinating kids that uh, you shouldn't believe conspiracies. It's all connected. Yeah, I mean, I guess we should talk about. Um, I mean, what drew what drew you to this idea in the first place? Because you're not a conspiracy theorist. I feel like we're no. not only either of us would identify as conspiracy theorists. It's I, true. I'm just yeah, and these are particularly bad ones. You know, mm-hmm. like I like there are some conspiracy theories that I think uh, if aren't true are certainly believable, and none of these obviously fit that criteria. Maybe the new Coke one comes closest to me. It's the most believable. Like they've got they've got motive. Yeah, definitely. Yes, absolutely. And the sort of, uh, and again, going to the Andrew WK thing, again, not believing that he's replaced, but the, certainly the concept of musicians. Just trying to pull, I'm trying to pull themes that yeah. are even I guess stable. I just like pop culture, how it touches everything, mm-hmm. and uh, this is the way it touches conspiracy theories. Yeah, I know. I, my, one of my, I mean, I love science fiction films, as I imagine, specifically uh, the kind, and I think you might as well, that like have a really strong agenda. Oh, They're trying yeah. to say something about politics, and I really enjoy it. Like even even if it, they don't do it extremely well, um, but obviously like RoboCop or Total Recall. I mean, I think any great science fiction does has that. a message. Yeah, but even like you know, if you watch epi- even episodes of Star Trek or Star Trek: Next Generation, um, even if it's a really corny episode and the and the um, message is like really ham fisted. Um, it's you know kind of it's pretty awesome to watch. There's a really famous episode of Star Trek where like there's a race of uh, aliens uh, whose their faces are half black and half white, um, but there's two sides to the planet and they're warring with the other side, whose faces are also half black, half white, but on the opposite way. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the message there is like, while you're fighting, you're exactly the same, but they're like we're not the same. Clearly, it's a race metaphor, very ham-fisted, but kind of you know oddly touching in its own way i'm kind of maybe going on some going off on a tangent here the point is because that's actually a very nice piece of message and yeah, these, yeah. Are, these are very negative messages that we've been uh, discussing yeah but the point is i think i just really enjoy i enjoy when people re- try and make a point through the language of completely insane stuff yeah and i like when they tie these like really silly things like the cartoon arthur or andrew wk whose work i enjoy but is possibly a sillier thing uh they get tied into this really serious message of world conquest i'm always interested in seeing how they do that none of these people had really good evidence for me no one had any no smoking gun but i guess that's probably because they're all not real yeah i'm I, I, i'm a little I, going through them i think i think we sort of struggle to like, jay-z is listening to this cack leg <laughs> <laughs> i fooled them <laughs> This is all part of it. <laughs> Just uh, sitting at a round table with all the <laughs> celebrities, like, project, the project continues. Um, I mean, I think, you know, we definitely were, like, struggled to find, like, talking points, but I think it's because they're just so sloppy, like... Yeah, really hard to grab onto. Um, I think we were definitely looking for, like, I think evidence. I think you and I are rationalists, and yeah. we wanted, like, empirical evidence, and we didn't get it. <laughs> so, none of these are true, uh, but I'm glad we got through them all. Uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> Watch the skies. Watch the skies. Truth, uh, truth is out there. Thank you for going through them with me, Pat. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't stop listening yet. I have two Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin fact check, fact checks I want to throw in there. How do you really fact check something like the past hour? And if you've been listening, you should be thinking, what are facts? Putting all that aside, two things I did want to point out. 
Uh, one, which you saw if you were using the Enhanced Edition, the poster for the Oogie Boos uh, refers to the guy who created it not as a marketing genius, as a marketing visionary. It's actually one step above genius. He is a marketing visionary. And if you were listening to the Enhanced Edition, you saw that, but I wanted to make sure everyone was aware uh, of what level of genius we were dealing with here. Two is that Pepsi document I referred to, which is very, very funny and you should look up online. Apparently there's some uh, debate as to whether or not it's real, and uh, frankly, after researching all the other stuff from this episode, I'm just not willing to look into it any further. So it may not be real, and I wanted to get that out there too. Thank you guys for listening, especially to this episode. Thank you again to Pat, Jeff, Rubin, Jeff, Rubin Show. By the way, you may have heard us in this episode, we talk a lot about the Enhanced Edition, which not everyone listens to. Uh, the Enhanced Edition of the show comes with pictures and is available on iTunes, and it works for people uh, who have iPhones and iPod Touches and other iOS devices. It works in uh, iTunes, did I say that already? And it's also available on YouTube. So if you're not listening to that version, this is a great episode to start. You already heard it, but you can go through it again. All right, social media shit time. Now is probably where you're going to want to stop listening. Uh, YouTube.com slash Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin, home of the Enhanced Edition, uh, along with iTunes. So there's two homes, whatever. Uh, Twitter, at Jeff Rubin Show. Tumblr, Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin.com. And, of course, the Facebook fan page. Thank you guys for listening. I'll be back next Tuesday, and I'll see you there.